0: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined with my dear friend and colleagues, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg and the Reverend Professor Jason Oakland. And we are here for an episode. We missed out last week, mm-hmm. uh, Michael was in a different state uh, doing important things and then he was Retreating somewhere, I believe. Uh, I was gone part of the week, but we did get you, we got you winging it sessions last week. But this week you have a winging it session and an episode. So hopefully you are subscribing so you get notified. They show up, boom, right on your device when they are ready. Um, Today we're going to be talking about a presentation that I had last week. So Michael, you had you had a long presentation in Denver that was... Mm-hmm. Critical race theory, was it? Just critical theory. Critical theory. Mm-hmm. And then you had a retreat, but you weren't presenting at that. Right? I was
1: presenting at
0: that. Oh. On um, vocation, what it is and what it isn't. So that was Michael's busy week. Mm-hmm. And then I had um, five hours on, and this is a very timely topic, Matthias Flatsy's yeah, Lyricus. Absolutely. Um, on church history at pastor's conference. And then I got to present, which was fun for me. And I have to say, it made my day. That my colleagues came for this.
1: I would say your powerpoints were on point. They were looking. I felt Thank like you. ashamed, I'm like I should redo on my powerpoints. The they were uh, really good, and uh, and it w- and we had a nice turnout.
2: I
0: think um, really the lady the was really happy after. Overall. Did you yeah. use uh,
1: the regular PowerPoint, or was that like Google
0: Docs? That was the regular, and then I I was pulling um, things that I've accumulated over the years to use for the. Which is like the
1: backgrounds were on point. And Thank stuff. you. I appreciate that. They're good. Very because, professional. Because when you look at Wade. <laughs> And his outward appearance, the last things you would say were like on point and professional. Yeah. Although right? that night, man, he like he looked good he that night fashioned up. He looked that good now. that night. And yep. by the way, a beautiful building. I had never been in that yeah, building. Yeah. For sure. Yep. A gorgeous building that obviously there's been a lot of money that's thrown into there. So um, you know, that would be like a nice summer stop in there, then go have an afternoon beer across the the road. There's all these like the Hoffra house and stuff. Yep. Yep. one of these like the long, slender um, downtown buildings, you know. Yeah. Um, so that would be a good afternoon for those of you in the area. That get a mean,
0: if you if you want to go if you don't just don't want to walk, Bubbler Bike Station right there. Mm-hmm. Get yourself so a we rental should say bike.
1: It, is it the Milwaukee County Historical? Society? Yes, Milwaukee okay.
0: County Historical yeah. Society. And um, it's it's not often I get to be just pure, like I'm going to pretend to be a professional historian, right? Because usually it's, I'm doing church stuff or or church connected stuff. And so I did, I I wanted to, I wanted to seem grown up. Mm -hmm. So that was the goal. Um, But I did talk about something that was not theological, but it was church related. And that was the Bennett law. Um, And you might go, well, what's the Bennett law? We will talk about that. And I know it's something that uh, Mike has mentioned that he sometimes talks about in class as well. Um, but it's a law from the late 19th century, the late 1800s, and I think it's it kind of is an interesting time in Synodical Conference history. The Synodical Conference was the Wisconsin Synod, the Missouri Synod, the Norwegian Synod, and then I believe after a while the Slovaks joined, right? They weren't OG Synodical Conference, were
2: they? I think they were a little bit. A um, little bit later to the party, although there was, you know, a couple of comings and goings through. The, but I would say too, especially like you say, the main
1: the main players: um, Missouri, Wisconsin, the Norwegians. But this this law and and the, this topic and, and the politics of the time. I mean, you don't have to even care about Lutherans or whatever. This is a very interesting and timely topic. Right. Uh, from a political point of view, from a culture war point of. Point of view from a secular point of view, and then it just happens to be one of those very few things where uh, synodical conference Lutherans actually have something that was important outside of our little bubble kind of thing. Yeah, where
0: even if you go in the historical society and you check out the museum area, which is worth seeing, it's not huge, but it's worth seeing. Um, The exhibit that's upstairs now, for at least I think the the next month, has a lot to do with immigration, especially German immigration. And then the downstairs has a lot on that right now too. They have um, but mostly have a pretty cool <laughs> union flag trade. Yeah. Uh, the um, I believe it was just the United Workers of Milwaukee kind of mm. flag, but God provides malt and hops, yeah. so, <laughs> which is is pretty good. But there's actually a little thing on the Bennett Law upstairs, and the German Lutherans of Milwaukee get a reference, and and that's us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was our. Uh-huh. our people back in the day um we are just before we get too far into this we are a part of the 1517 podcasting network encourage you to go to 1517.org check out all the good stuff there they've got devotions they've got a publishing house um, they've got free academy courses they have just a bunch of stuff they have conferences but they keep filling up and so i think they're all full right now so um but kind of maybe check it out once in a while if you'd like to to check out a conference and get in early if you want to get a ticket. Um, but lots of good stuff going on over at 1517.org that you can check out. Um, we also, we will plug in the beginning, Jason and I have been doing a Winging It series on our recent trip to Italy. Michael did not want to go with us. Um, <laughs> not even for a second. <laughs> but we had uh, the series Lutherans in Rome. Uh, Jason and I and my daughter and her boyfriend went been working our way through that we're in like part 5 we're doing a day a thing and um it's part like theology we saw these things we thought this the- theological it's part history this is the background of it it's part travel show like mm-hmm. we're given tips we're given travel tips um but we're also Watch plugging out Rick Steves. yes <laughs> we are very we are self promoting although as we noted with midwestern humility yes we feel very uncomfortable with it um, a Germany trip that Michael will not be coming on. Not for a waiting. second, did I want to go? Yeah, <laughs> no. um, and not because he doesn't like Germany or us. He he doesn't want to be responsible for people. He has said. Yeah. Okay, I, that's I the agree. reason I he agree. officially gave. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the tour is the cradle of the Reformation. Eleven-day uh, Germany tour, May 13th through 23rd, 2024. Have had some people register already have people talking about doing it. Uh, If you get a chance, you think you want to go, look at, uh, go to the letthebirdfly.com, click on Germany Trip 2024, all the stuff is there, all the information. If you have questions, shoot Jason an email, shoot me an email. You can look up our WLC email, just Google us, it'll pop up. Or you can email us at podcast at letthebirdfly.com, which I do regularly check. But confirm on letthebirdfly.com that that is actually the email address because sometimes I get that wrong. Um, but we'll be happy to answer any questions on that. That will be May of 2024, and it'll be a chance to go with two Reformation scholars. Mm-hmm. A, a young, a budding one. Yes. And an established yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I, um, <clears throat> I hope this works out for you and you continue to do this. I mean, I, in all sincerity.
0: Mike does actually look I do almost not, disturbingly sincere. I, <laughs> I do not
1: want any part of it, but I hope like you could branch out and be like, what about the English Reformation? Mm-hmm. Could you do that? Yeah, yeah. I think this, that, could be, maybe Italy, this could be this could be a yep. very awesome thing. Um, so uh, I, I applaud you for taking a chance like this. I don't have the guts to do it.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Also,
1: uh, remember, like about a year ago, didn't we we tracked down the Italian Lutherans, mm-hmm. like the group, and there yep. was like a dude in Rome. Yeah, because we, like we were gonna that?
0: we were gonna appoint a bishop of Rome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I we're guess.
1: like, there's probably already
0: one, and it turns out there was one. Yeah, uh-huh. we, we should have gone to see him. We should have, yep. Yeah. Um, we, uh, and then finally, as we're just getting stuff, um, uh, our, our self-promotion out of the way, Michael, your book is is being, it's appearing on 1517 a lot right now. It is out, right? It's officially available.
1: It was out the 18th, and um, Baptismal Life, and I just found out another book will be published. I was going to let you say that.
0: I didn't want it. Thank you.
1: And uh, there's no timetable. I'm guessing 18 months to two years out. It's written, um, but publishing slow. And there's a backup in this particular publisher. And that's perfectly fine because it needs to be reworked. But the working title is Peter Theologian of the Cross. So teaching theologians The theology of well Peter Abelard, right? No, the (laughs) Peter uh, teaching the theology of the cross and glory through the lens of the story of Saint Peter, Mm -hmm. apostle. So, um, we'll see. Yeah, I already have who I want the foreword to be written by. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: The uh, I would guess. Do not want to know. No, let's wait till it's closer. We'll do that as part of the promotion. That I have to guess who it is. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Jason, do you have anything else? I've been reading a lot because I have to for yeah. my classes. But nothing else that we should be mentioning now. Nope, nope. All right, well, we're going to make our way to the Bennett Law. I see Jason has the disclaimer. Why don't you go ahead I was and – say uh, I could talk more about – Oh, you know what? I, I forgot Jerusalem, to share something. So I have BC had –
2: its legacy. I mean, yeah. but that's all So I got I've
0: right had now. a bit of a traumatic day, ah. um, and ah, I'm convinced ah. it's because Jason prayed for vengeance against yep. me. <clears throat> Must um, have been. I had chapel today, and uh, – so yesterday, I told Jason, um, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it for chapel. I sent him a copy of mine. I'm like, I might you need you to read it, but I prefaced it by like, could you read my chapel sermon? And I think he meant like proofread it. Like, and so he agreed. Yeah. yeah, and all, all I but I ran with it as uh, he like all I said I was, Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'd sent him this. I said you might want to you know read it a bit so that it's you know it a little bit when you're reading it. Um, and then I I had. Message the campus pastors and looped Jason in and said, uh, Hey, just so you know, Jason's probably gonna have chapel tomorrow for me. He has my sermon, he can read it. And then I messaged them individually and said, Ignore what I just sent. I'm just mm-hmm. messing with Jason. I did the same with Michael. I said, Michael, I'm probably not gonna be able to record tomorrow. Jason's taking my chapel. Sorry. Um, And then Jason, who I didn't think really did believe it, but must have believed it somewhat because at 930, I got a message that said, (laughs) I guess I will do it. But I thought you were joking. Um, Well, I was feeling pretty good. I got that. And then at that point, I was riding my bike in. Um, And I'm feeling pretty good. I tricked Jason. It was a prank, (laughs) right? And um, I put some new air in my tires on my bicycle. And I'm pedaling in and I'm just, oh, I'm having a day. (laughs) And I hit. There's these railroad tracks, and there's two things that I love, Jason and, and Michael, and you know this, and it's, it's bikes and trains. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think that God was chiding me. He was disciplining me in love mm. um, for pranking Jason. I, so I've got the, the, the tires, they're firm, and I'm going at good speed. And this has happened before. I should know this. Mm. I've had to recover this mug before. And my Yeti came out of the little holder on my, uh, it was not in my panier. It was on my rack bag, trunk bag, and uh, the Yetis no more. In the tracks, kind of lost some pieces. It had been dented. We had had a long history. Yeah, But I took it well. I said, I understand. I I get it, Lord. Um, Mm. And uh, it was worth it, (laughs) you know. Um, But it was nice seeing Jason uh, and, uh, and knowing that he did. Believe I thought I, I set it up pretty well. You have to admit, yeah. By I just was, saying, "Can would you read my sermon?" I was kind. You're right. I, I and I was kind of surprised, like
2: when because I didn't really because I went I went to bed shortly after that, and then I wake up to seeing more <laughs> messages, and then I'm like, "Huh." But then I also noticed that it's like, well, I had just seen him, you know, like at a baseball game. He yeah, Jason did come to watch my son's fine. baseball game, which was very nice. And yeah. you know, and then I noticed that he was commenting on the like. Sadly, the Bucks were eliminated from the playoff, which was a late, late game. I'm like, "Well, this seems like rather irresponsible behavior. If he's, <laughs> if he's really going to beg off." But I thought, you know, hey, I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to be the team player and yep.
0: and and help him out. Um, and so I, I told you that it was a friendship test, and you both passed and failed. <laughs> right. You passed because you were willing to fill in. Yep. But you failed because you didn't trust me to carry out my responsibility. Right. And Wished vengeance that cost the Yeti its life. Right, so. you did murder my mug. Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, but with that, Jason, why don't you give us the disclaimer?
2: This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should do with generally almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right. A podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
0: If listeners can, can hear this in the background, this is me, like a peasant, taking my thermos, ah. opening it, and pouring a little bit into a not Yeti coffee mug that doesn't even have a lid, that gets cold. Very very poloia showing you. I'm suffering for what I've done. And that brings us to our main topic, which is the uh, already mentioned Bennett Law, and we're going to talk a little bit. I think first, what is the background of the law? Um, why was it such a, a big deal? Uh, and then we'll get to how, what, what if anything does this have to do with the Lutherans of the former Synodical Conference? Um, the Bennett Law was a hold law.
1: On, hold on. Yes. Jerry Springer died. Really?
0: Ooh. Was Steve there? Wow. Huh.
1: Sorry, I apologize, but that's <laughs> kind of like, that's like, you know, after the president dies. That's well, like, and so for our younger uh, oh, listeners, ahead. Michael, oh, we should oh, explain this for yeah, our younger okay. listeners.
0: Okay. Because Jerry Springer did change the game, and they've seen, like, um, they've seen imitators of Jerry. Um, but this, I would say, when we were younger... Um, Price is Right and Jerry Springer were probably the, like, yeah. high school, college afternoon. Like, if you were begging off doing stuff you were supposed to be doing, um, they were things that you would watch. Uh, Price is Right is still going, although our we remember Bob Barker um, in the prime of the show. And Jerry Springer was not the first. I think Donahue was before him, right? But it, it was the, like, first, like, no-holds-barred mm-hmm. trash talk show. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think it started not no-holds-barred, but it slowly morphed to where it became, like, we're going to have, like, a Klansman on, and then we're going to, mm-hmm. the Klansman's going to fight someone. Um, we're going to start doing, like, what Maury Povich just doubled down on, like, the paternity test. Um, we're going to have the outlandish, and there would, there would almost always be a fight. And Steve, right, it was Steve, yep, was a Steve. security guard, and everyone would, would yell Steve, and he'd break up the fights. Um, and Jerry would always, I think, impressively act like he was above it all mm-hmm. and like he just wanted serious dialogue mm-hmm. as he had, like, this yokel, Klansman, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and he would be acting like this was uh who was the Republican guy that had a show for years and years that was um, real serious uh, – Bill Bu- or Buckley, mm. you know Springer would try to act That's like he's being classy like that, <laughs> um, and so I would guess the three of us in this room that and the Price is Right we spent a lot of because you didn't have in the afternoon if you were begging off stuff, you didn't have a smartphone, mm. nope, you didn't have uh, Wi-Fi, right? Um, this is what you did, was yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, sorry.
0: No, I, that, I I appreciate the news.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure a day that will be. Uh, Celebrated as well as uh, mourned, Yes, depending on your perspective.
0: I believe at one point Joy Springer was the mayor of Cincinnati yep. or a city like uh, that. Yeah. His
1: dad was a famous uh, sports writer, I think. Oh. Yeah, yep.
0: So, <laughs> okay. So, the background on the, the Bennett Law. Uh, Wisconsin, and this may be hard to believe for people, um, early on had just an enormous population – of first and second generation German immigrants. Um, so much so that the Germans, as some would put it, outnumbered the Americans, um, as some would put it. Right? I'm not saying I'm adopting <laughs> that. Um, but Maybe even th-
1: say it like
0: that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so there was um, concern about how well people were, Um, learning the English language because with that enormous of a population of Germans, uh, these communities were able to really do everything they needed to in German, uh, socialize, um, education, church, enormous number of publications, German German language. Milwaukee is really fun back then for like, there's a lot of stuff happening here and, and like you read these old publications and a lot of, um, a variety of just strains of thought of, like, fun things that are being written and debated. Um, But the 1890 U.S. Bureau of the Census reports 259,819 foreign-born residents, foreign-born, from Germany and Wisconsin, um, which is a lot. Wisconsin's population obviously was not uh, what it was then, um, what it is now then. Um, William Horde is a, uh, William Dempster Horde, his full name, uh, was a governor in Wisconsin and a one-term governor, and back then a term was two years. And that just seems, I'm glad we don't do that anymore because we already have way too many elections as it is, and I can't imagine like having that, a two-year term as governor, you're already running for re-election right after you're, right, you just got inaugurated um but he runs and he is a republican which means that this time if you were a republican you were a progressive because this is before the parties decided let's kind of have some fun and flip the view of things what a no population of wisconsin in 1890 what
2: was it about one po- not quite 1.7 million
0: so so this being yeah first born or yeah. first i mean born in germany yep. just that number not counting second generation, uh, and children born here. Um, this is a significant part. And they are living once again. And I, um, and many immigrant groups did this. Often a charter group will come, and this still happens today. And then they'll set up to be able to welcome others who are coming. Uh, and so you have communities that form in Milwaukee on the south side now. You would see this. We had um, Pastor Walter on recently, and he's talked about his neighborhood already kind of starting to change as they've had um, a large Hispanic population for a while now, and some people are settling in and in, in moving out more from the city. Um, but for a long time you had uh, immigrants from Puerto Rico, Mexico, et cetera, that were settling on the south side of Milwaukee. Before that you had have the Poles. Mike does a, a tour um, for worship class to St. Joseph's Cathedral, um, uh, St. Stan, St. Anthony's, also built by these Polish immigrants. I live right by St. Sava's Cathedral, um, which is Serbian Orthodox, and you had, right, that neighborhood <coughs> was very Serbian in the past. <coughs> One group comes, and then you're going to have stores that sell things like you'd have back home. You're going to have newspapers <coughs> that publish things people can read. And so the the concern from Horde, and it, it does not appear that Horde was a nativist, meaning like, um, you know, he just wants to really America and, like, these people should America like he thinks they should America. You know, he's got something against German, like, just speak English, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> um, but he has what is probably a legitimate concern, that if the, the children um, being born in these communities are going to have every opportunity to succeed in Wisconsin or in the United States, that they be able to function at some basic level in the English language. And so he does what members of the executive branch do when they win office. He kind of says, it'd be great to get some legislation like this. And uh, at first there's going to be a guy, and this guy's going to have to kind of fall on the sword, Um, Levi Pond. uh, He's from Westfield, Wisconsin. He's going to put forth legislation in February of 1889. And this seems pretty tame. You would have had to fill out a form. So parochial schools would have had to fill out a form just think of all the forms we fill out now. Oh my, yeah, Michael, you're our department head. How many forms do you fill out? Oh, don't even. <laughs> yeah, so you would have just had to fill out a form and report on the form the number of students between the age of four and twenty, and keep in mind you have many as you have immigrants coming over. You would have had people who are twenty who are studying language or other basics to help them uh, in the community and a school day that looked. Different than right what we're much definitely different. thinking about yeah, yeah like uh, maybe 12 hours in some instances um, 12, 12 hours weekly a week yeah like, yeah um, so who are, how many are attending what subjects are being offered and how many are studying them and then what instruction is being done in English and uh, the Wisconsin senator Schul Zeitung right immediately yeah. says um, that nope this is this is not the government's business. We have enough laws already. Um, This sparks. We get uh, Missouri Synod Lutherans. We get Wisconsin Synod Lutherans very upset by this. Um, (coughs) They say this is just part of a kulturkampf, a culture war. And people today aren't really familiar with maybe what a culture war is or that term. Um, But this was a term that was thrown around back then, um, where people would say, well, this is just a culture war that's being fought. Thankfully, we've, we've put that behind us. <laughs> um, other publications, though, quickly join in. The German Roman Catholics are very upset by this, too, um, and Milwaukee and other uh, dioceses in Wisconsin. There's a number of foreign-born German, German foreign-born American now, um, Roman Catholic bishops. They right away get a petition among those who are upset, of 40,000 signatures, and the Pond Bill dies. So Pond tried. right? Mm -hmm. It never even makes it uh, to the lower house. Um, Church leaders are like, okay, we can relax. Um, We then get Michael Bennett, Michael J. Bennett, like Michael J. Fox. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I remember that. He's a Roman Catholic (laughs) Republican. He's a farmer, he's a school teacher, so he's interested in education. And he introduces into the assembly this bill that bears his name. He did circulate it a bit, but maybe not like a ton. It passes and gets signed without there being much outcry because it's not on the radar of a lot of, a lot of people. The Republicans had the majority. They kind of they get it through. Um, the bill wants to outlaw child labor. Most everybody's cool with that um, up to the age of 13 with factories. Right. So it's not like getting rid of everything. Yeah. Once most people you, once you like,
2: turn 13, stop your whining and get to work. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: But it, uh, okay, most people are like, all right. Um, it's section five that's going to be at the point of contention, and that requires the use of English for instruction in all schools if you're going to be counted as a school. So here's the language from the Bennett Law that gets people upset. No school shall be regarded as a school under this act unless there shall be taught therein, as part of the elementary education of the children, reading, writing, arithmetic, and United States history in the English language. And this is going to upset people. Um, Horde would uh, later joke that he had done what the devil had not been able to do over thousands of years, and that is that he had united the Lutherans and the Catholics. Um, this immediately, like across denominational lines, raises concerns um, for any church body that has schools. Well, what still today, I believe Missouri and Wisconsin are in the top four still for these numbers with the Roman Catholics, um, as far as the number of parochial schools and parochial school students, um, they're especially German Catholics, but Roman Catholics in general. And Lutherans, especially German Lutherans, have a long history of seeing schools as very important. Yeah, I mean, that was really in the planting of churches, yeah.
2: you know, kind <clears> of <throat> one of the, the emphases and the, the push was next to every German church, a, a, a school. And a pub. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, and a bu- But um, within the churches themselves, you know, it was, we've established the church. Yeah. Now, it's not if, it's when can we get the school right. going. And A- so and this, this would have been almost, almost
1: yeah. every yeah. every um, German Lutheran. Yeah, completely different to the first wave of, yeah. of Lutherans, more Swedish but also German, but then also different than uh, many of the, let's say, Methodist, Baptist, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that They don't, they don't think yeah. in those terms. So. And
0: part of the reason for this was the emphasis on catechesis In both traditions, Mm -hmm. and especially if you think of the German Lutherans who were coming over, Um, this the German Church was a state church, right? Landeskirchen, and so the schools were kind of state church schools. There was more of a dynamic. Um, But those who came for religious reasons, um, these schools were very important because this is how you were going to pass down the faith. That was part of the reason you came, and so. These schools were seen not just as important for, like, we want to give our kids a good education, but this is catechesis. We want them to know the faith. And so I have an article that was published on the Lutheran um, uh, uh, History Conference, published it uh, in their journal. Um, I have the PowerPoint here in front of me. But what I'd like to, um, to stop at here for and throw it to Mike or Jason, whichever would like to jump in. And... And we're doing it now because they both heard the presentation, so it's ho- hopefully somewhat fresh. Maybe um, it's interesting always when you have um, immigrant groups, wherever it might be, and where they're going, um, to see how they view language, their language, um, what they want to preserve about it, why. I think, um, and I didn't do this in the presentation because I don't, I just mentioned it in passing, I, it wasn't a, a theology presentation. But I do think um, one of the things that was a big concern for the German Lutherans was can we even do our theology in English? Um, not just like right. we need to do German because we're German and, and um, you know, we, we don't want to assimilate. And my paper argues they had already very much assimilated and Americanized by the arguments they make against the Bennett law. Um, but there seems to have been a real concern. Can we do Lutheran theology in English, and maybe I'll throw it to either of you for, for thoughts you might have of, of why they might think that, why language matters when we're talking theology. Are all languages created equally for th- why Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New, right? Um, what it should be just dismiss the, this concern on their part does it make sense? Why for either way?
1: Well, I think it's a huge concern. Um you know the example you used with the word receive i think was was a really good example at the at the presentation um now god goes way out of his way to make sure that we know that every tribe every language like he doesn't have to put language in there but he does you have pentecost you have all, but don't underestimate the problem of babel right and this is why we insist that our pastors at least have somewhat of a, a a working knowledge of not only not only the biblical languages, but in our day, both of the confessional languages. Now, at least I think one, but um, because you do miss stuff, you just do, right? And uh, we 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 know that. And I can be pretty progressive on some things, right? Like I, my nature is to be.
0: Not on, not on not trains not or not bicycles. So. You <laughs> right. showed me no
1: sympathy over the Yeti mug. Um, yeah. Because um, I think we've progressed beyond <laughs> right. bicycles. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't mind a horse and buggy anymore, am I? Yeah. Right. Okay. right, right, right.
0: Um, to be fair, though, you guys can't tell me that you've never lost a Yeti mug out of your window of your car <laughs> no, either. No, we, nope, I
1: have not. Nope, I have not. Um, and, so, and see, the, let me back up. Like, being progressive or, quote-unquote, liberal or conservative on things, i Try not to even think about those things. Look at the topic. And there's certain Mm -hmm. things that, if you're honest, from a confessional Lutheran point of view, you probably would lean way left and some of you would lean way right, right? Um,
0: And especially historically, like there's things that we all benefit from. For instance, I didn't have to go work in the factory at 13 or before 13. Right? Um, There's OSHA. You know, and this
1: and this Bennett law is a perfect example of yeah. something that 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 helps us reform some of our maybe uh, assumptions today anyway okay. with that said I think I probably would have been on the side of like we're gonna lose something if we go from German to English mm-hmm. um I'd like to think that I would have been progressive on that but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't because the way I think about languages that you you always it's not just you lose something in translation it's can you even translate it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's so very difficult. I was talking about this, uh, doing the four loves thing in, in apologetics as an example of using kind of soft-hearted sort of things to have a conversation with people. And, uh, I, you know, I say English is, a, is is fine, but it's a poor language. It, uh, Greek and German are more alike. English and Latin are, are, are more like in this sense that just this amount of vocabulary. So, like, I'm like we have to explain this. I'm really excited when somebody that I don't like uh, uh, has something bad happen <laughs> German's like, oh, yeah. Shut right. up. I got we got a word for that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right? So
0: how do you do that? Those, there's languages that make up words for that, and then there's languages that just borrow words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, English, one of the strengths of English is, like, for, like, business and, like, um, like communication like practical stuff mm-hmm. and we'll just borrow I'm, I'm gonna google it hand me a kleenex mm-hmm. like we'll just you know we just come mm-hmm. up with this and we um uh hamburgers frankfurt mm-hmm. i mean we, we like
1: a word we'll take a, it a scavenger language
0: right which makes it hard to learn because right. we are we're not married to rules we're like this will work um but yeah for some things there's languages you, that just go we're, we're going to come up with this word for this concept how do you
1: even how do you, when it's not Again, it's not like you lose something. Okay, you lose nuance in translation. Do the, Does e, does English even have this concept yep. in the way they think? Because the way you speak is going to affect the way you think. Yeah, Right? There you go. And and so just be said, like, well, explain it in so many words. Well, maybe you're not even thinking that way. Yeah. So you have this one extreme where it's a cat. It's everybody's – this is every language, every – um, at the same time, boy, there's there are concepts that are so much difficult uh, from language to language to even like, well, on I mean, we talk yeah. about these things, um, and it actually makes it kind of exciting and challenging and, and, and can be fun and fruitful, but I totally get their desire, I totally get their worry, I should say.
0: Yeah, and maybe we <coughs> can unpack this a little more, and if we have to stretch this into two episodes, I think we can, because we can get to the opposition, but if I can throw a word out and see what you guys think with this, and I'm sure that this comes up in worship class for you too, but even just take the English word worship, yep. mm-hmm. right? You look at, um, you look at, if you're coming from a German background and you've got like words that not, it, they weren't always necessarily built for what they express, but they just, you know, Gottesdienst is different than worship. "Gnadenmittel" middle is better than means of grace. Um, Mitteldinger. Yeah, It. uh um and I guess what I would like to throw to you, let's take a word like worship, and then the average person who's using the word worship all their life um, to tease out what you were getting at there, Michael, because I think it's important, one aspect of what you were getting at, is that sometimes it's not that, like, I'm a dummy and I'm just not thinking about something I should think about. Sometimes just my language and background doesn't give me the framework to even think to think mm-hmm. about it. Um, and that's not to say... German's better than English in every way, or English is better than whatever. Um, but it is to say, I mean, this is part of the, the fun of travel, is even if you don't learn a lot about the language, you almost always learn enough mm-hmm. that you say they really came at this diff because you, you figure out what words they're using to right. express, or even just how they're putting the words together. Um, and so while this is, we can take this back to Babel and say this was punishment, um, and it was, it also, though, does get at somewhat at the limitations of 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 the human mind, um, but the richness of God's creation and of truth um, that there's that that we can get things from different languages and go. Never would have came at it that way, but that's totally an important yeah, thought.
1: Let, let me talk worship for one second, then Jason. We need to. He's got some things to say, and then I want you to come back to that, the mm-hmm. example you used in that presentation because that had theological the receive? Yeah, okay. because of theological implications. First thing I say in uh, Christian worship is worship's the worst word to use to describe <laughs> what happens Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it's a English word that assumes that I'm doing the action, I show worth to God, and it's the exact opposite. and And the word worship that we use to, that we use as a a translation of something like the Hebrew concepts or whatever you lose the falling down flat on your face in holy awe of a of a powerful god right worship is like hey jesus is cool and i'm going to you know i'm going to make sure that praise. that he knows i'm going to praise him right him. and and that word repeated over and over and over again does change the way you think about things right in a similar way if i call somebody a thug a thug a thug a thug his whole life right it may be self fulfilling prophecy or if i baby my children say you're perfect you're perfect all the mm-hmm. time um, those words have power okay i think
2: <clears throat> a couple of things that you know go into this i think that idea of the difference in german and english i mean they're they're different very different in their approach and i think like mike you're saying german matches up well with greek um, in the way that they approach language and the way that they think. And it's, it's, a, it's very much a language of precision where you have languages that can describe very precisely in very few words um, what is being communicated. English and Latin, on the other hand, have a much greater, or the, the vocabulary is much different, but it's one where you need more words to express what you're saying at least To to, um, there 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 is an intentional vagueness about it, um, and which which can be very helpful, which can be it has its purpose, but if you're talking about theology, vagueness is usually not um, a positive, right? Um, And and I think that there is this, and and then I think you maybe also have to ask the question. Is it language that shapes how we think or is it how we think, how this group thinks that shapes language and vice versa, which comes first? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they they go hand in hand. Chicken and an egg kind of thing. Right. And on top of that, I'm going to say I think the Germans, um, especially German Lutherans, were – that there was was more at stake here maybe than what we fully appreciate Mm -hmm. Um, because – this German is the language of the Reformation, right? German is the language of Luther. German is the language in into which you know the gospel, the restoration of the gospel was brought first. And so, uh, this idea of if we give up the language of the Reformation, how long is it going to be before we give up? The teachings of the Reformation Oh, it was only 50 and, years right yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly you know and, and with that, I think along with that too then say not like you know, German is necessarily better or they j- didn't just but in some ways the influence that, that Luther had and the influence that Luther's Bible had mm-hmm. on the German language and hymns and hymns uh, and some of those things and again, it, it, maybe sometimes that can be made too much of maybe but but the idea that in large in large part, you know many of these especially theologic theological vocabulary um he he luther if it wasn't luther himself it was lutherans that were very influential in shaping that yeah. and and it wasn't just being stubborn to say
1: hey i'm i'm i don't want to give this up there were deeper concerns there and and for you know this is a classic example of what was conservative becomes liberal or whatever um Think about the Reformation going from Latin to different. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are people who are like, You're gonna miss something here because this is the language of the church. This is our mm-hmm. lingua franco. We're not gonna be able to communicate to each other unless we kn- we know that. And that there there was that's not that's something that did happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you when yep. you're talking technically in Latin, when you translate something, you got you know, we should we should, churchmen should all learn Latin, right? <laughs> Whether you like it or not. I mean, there there is yeah, a, at least in the way the lawyers that lawyers
0: and physicians have to
1: learn yep. certain phrases, yep. Or, yep. certain yep. things like that. You know, the other thing too about like Latin and, and Greek a little bit is when you talk about the Great Schism. You know, it's like, Well, it's over the date of Easter and the filioque and stuff like that. It's about two different emphasis of theology and two different ways of thinking in two different languages. Right? Which really Latin. goes
0: back to almost the time immediately after Christ already So these differences sure.
1: Latin is going to be, it's very good for legal language, yeah. and very precise. What do we emphasize? Forensic justification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where in, in the East, it's going to be a little bit different and you can't tell me that the language doesn't play a part in yeah, that, right, right? Yeah. right? I mean, on, so I'm, I'm going to be teaching yeah, so you about
0: Solomon history right now, after this. He could only have that is shaped by latin, latin
1: yeah. but mm-hmm. like if if i move from from greek as my primary thing i'm leaving the new testament if i if i move from latin i'm 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 leaving augustine and gregory the great and if i leave if i move from german i'm i'm losing the reformation if i
0: move to the septuagint right. the greek translation of the old testament sure. from the hebrew yep. I mean, yeah. and if i and
1: if i move from english then we loo- well okay we don't lose anything <laughs> but, but uh, the importance of at least you have to have some people in your church body, but but even <laughs> that can do these things. But even the the the
2: English Reformation background. I mean, what it what is English Reformation stuff ultimately about? It's kind of reaching this point of compromise. Yeah. Compromise in English, which again, you know, these Lutherans who were leaving the fatherland leaving germany oh, because so the fatherland <laughs> that, so well dear father why did why did you put your <laughs> hand up with your <laughs> mom out there this is this is 1800s germany Just come on put your hands at <laughs> <up> side. <yourself. laughs> <laughs> but the the fact that uh, um now 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 you've completely distracted me but uh <laughs> the fact that they were um they were leaving because of compromise. Because of compromise, right? That that was the large, the, 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 the largest factor of them, of pushing them, many of them, yep. out of Germany to find a place to practice their faith elsewhere.
0: And, and maybe for context with that, yeah, so the Missouri Synod is founded because of people leaving because of the church situation yep. in Germany. These are Saxons who are unhappy with um, the territorial churches, unhappy with the, the general church life. Um, of the churches that make their way. Wisconsin Synod early on is not so much that. It's people coming for jobs, but it does become that. Mm-hmm. And so by this time, um, the Wisconsin Synod has, had, has moved in what I think the three of us would consider a good direction um, to confessional Lutheranism, meaning yeah. like holding to the Book of Concord, um, which was not necessarily the case as early on. And it's going to do that in large part under uh, Bodding, who we'll get to, I think we just do a second episode on this, but Bodding, who was helping to lead the fight regarding the the Bennett Law here. Mike, you mentioned the illustration I used in the presentation, and, and I think, I like that we're unpacking this some, because I think, um, and I, I don't think it's just that we're making this theological. I think this is also helpful. Part of the fun of this presentation for me, and when I originally wrote the article, is That it's fun to be able to tell, I don't want to surprise anyone, but uh, the Wisconsin Synod and the Missouri Synod in the pews and maybe even in the pulpits, (laughs) as far as like meaning its clergy and its laity, in their personal political convictions often lean maybe a tad bit to the right. Um, not alt right, not far right, but think like there's the average person probably is wasn't um, was happy to be able to vote for like George W Bush, right? Like that type.
1: We are America's right of center. You're talking about right of center of the right of center,
0: mm-hmm. and so um, it's fun to be able to talk about the time that. Their forefathers got together, and, and
1: and we're also very well known for practicing very church state. thoughtful church fellowship principles. Yeah.
0: Yep, and two kingdoms being very mm-hmm. wary of getting too involved in the things of the state as church. That is, and here they did, and they voted out the Republicans, which is fun because you wouldn't think of that today. <laughs> Although, if you remember, the Republicans were on the opposite mm-hmm. side of things, but. Um to get at, I do think what we're saying about German applies to different immigrant groups today even in America, and they may not be coming. Maybe they do hold to a Christian religion, a certain denomination or confession of faith. Maybe it's a non-Christian religion. Um, but there's tied up in there, I'm sure, still questions of, can we, can we do these things that are very important to us in a different language? Um, and so... Uh, the illustration I always like to use is that in English, receive or accept has a very different connotation than you would get in, like, the Greek or the German, um, where receive or accept implies a passivity. At least we would argue that theologically. Um, so it's it's like how we would speak of receiving a punch or a kiss. So how do I receive a punch or a kiss? I don't dodge it or block it, right? I am I avoid doing anything, and thus I receive it. This is, if you think back, those of you who had a first kiss, this was the awkwardness of the first kiss, of like you're realizing, like, what do I do with my nose? <laughs> you know, like, how are we going to turn? Um, and eventually one person just has to sit still, right? You kind of, you can't just both keep moving. Um, but receiving a punch or a kiss, in English we don't think that way, we, 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 we think more of like, as you sometimes see people take communion, and I, I, mm-hmm. I always tell my members not to do this, like just hold your hand like it's a cup, but they'll, they'll take the fingers, I don't know how you guys would describe it, but it's like a little bird, <clears throat> and then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll go at it yep. and kind of grab it. And, and so it's much easier in English to talk of like a decision theology because those words, just like with worship, right? Worship is less a receiving word. In English, and it's more a doing word. It's a very doing language, and uh, and so there's there's legitimate concern of. And le- these are big concepts for Lutherans. What what is this going to do to the emphasis on um, what grace is and how it operates? And if the Germans couldn't even maintain it in German in Germany,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. what are the chances we're going to do it in another country by moving to English?
1: And, and you're not saying oh all of a sudden the English was this yeast that came through and, and mixed it no, up. You're just saying no. it's more, it's easier to think that way. Right. And, and they
0: did see themselves as being surrounded by general American Protestants yep. who did think that way. Yep. And so you're not only, if you're doing the English stuff, you're not only going to be doing English, um, but you're going to be getting curricula um, from, within an American Protestant bias mm-hmm. that leans towards this kind of decision-heavy. Yeah,
1: you know, and... Uh, I'm the worst at languages in this room by far. I w- that was not my strength. Um, but I can remember as you moved from translating, 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 translating to all of a sudden er, middle of seminary vicar year into your parish, writing, 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 where it took me a while to get out of the mindset of uh, uh, passive verbs, mm, yeah, um, mm-hmm. long like... Uh, you know, uh, clauses, right? And so what, it, what does your English professor say? Ac- action verbs, short sentences, action verbs, short sentences. Which I write on
0: student papers yeah. all the time now. Which yeah. is
1: fair for English, but maybe you do lose something without a kind of like exactly. a long, a long, like, let it hang there, let it marinate, and then come to a conclusion kind of thing. So there, there's, th- this is real. This is not something like that we're making up. But to your point, active versus passive well it, it is a way of thinking and it's maybe a little bit it is hard sometimes to explain to people how really it really is god
0: doing everything for you
1: now that's mostly because of the opinion language right but the english language is difficult to do that
0: yeah can there <laughs> i'll let you make last point then i got to go teach
2: jason this is a uh, uh, a little um, anecdote kind of with the jason sitting on his hands
0: now which i'm i'm, yep. I'm Thankful after I'm, I'm trying not to get any, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, so Haneke in his, um, when he was serving what in Milwaukee. What was Mil- his first name? Uh, I don't remember, Professor yeah. Haneke? Uh, Professor A. Haneke. A. <laughs> uh, he was, he, when he was serving uh, his congregation in Milwaukee, uh, there was a Methodist church not far away whose pastor was Pastor Geyer. Um, and that's also a, a German word, not a common German word, but kind of a dialect word for like a like buzzard, and and so it was it was kind of a, a slang word for for the devil. Um, and uh, there was he was he was preaching about you know um, giving you know, like if you don't hold to Jesus and uh, you know the the forgiveness that Jesus you know then then you will be taken by. <laughs> guy the guy <laughs> and uh the, the congregation misunderstood that they were think they were all thinking like, Oh, it's it's the English Methodist guy down the street that's gonna come and swoop us all and then he realized he, he, he realized what he <laughs> what he had said or how they had received received what he had said and then uh he did later uh apologize and clarify that he said that's not no, that's not what I meant. I was so but it just I mean it shows yep. how that how that kind of thing can happen, especially when you're surrounded by those things and, uh, you know, you're, you're having those language differences.
0: Yeah. Um, so we will get to next time, well, what did these uh, churches of the former Synodical Conference do? What kind of arguments did they make about the Benin Law? We'll get more America, more history there. Um, but hopefully you found this interesting, and I'm glad we had language talking. We, we've talked about doing an episode on language, and I think this is a good way to kind of prime the prompt on that. So we thank you for listening, um, and remember, as we've been telling you, it's still Easter. He is risen, um, and that is more than enough reason for you to continue to join us in Letting the Bird Fly.
1: Uh, every evening when the sun goes down I don't care what the people are thinking I'm not drunk, I'm just a dink i set him up another round i set him up another round i set him up another round what? One more round won't get me down